TM. Friends, welcome to the Crypto Monday Show, the official podcast of the Crypto Mondays New York City Meetup. Go to CryptoMondays.io or sign up to hang out with us in real life at meetup.com or download the Meetup app and search for Crypto Mondays NYC. And now we welcome our next guest Link Daniel, author, developer and founder of Network. Network is a virtual dream and decentralized brain computer protocol. Enjoy the show. Wag me. Link Daniel, Link Daniel, salute. Why don't you have a beverage? I don't drink anymore, so I'm drinking water and wine. Mm-hmm. So, welcome to the Crypto Mondays podcast. This is the official uh, podcast of the Crypto Mondays meetup. We are the largest cryptocurrency meetup in real life meetup in the world. 70 locations, over 30,000 members, and, and, and growing and improving, and it's incredible. Go to CryptoMondays.io uh, or go to Meetup.com and choose a city near you. We're in 70 locations. This is the New York location chapter. We do the podcast from New York, and part of what we do with Crypto Mondays is uh, we network. We support each other. We teach new people, people new to crypto about cryptocurrency, and we... Uh, make connections and uh, create businesses and 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 exchange ideas and then we have uh, a, a speaker every uh, week at six that happens at six thirty and our location right now is the U it's at six oh one Lexington we have a speaker every Monday and we sit and speak and and have an interview and Link Daniel who was who who was one of our speakers uh, you know occasionally uh, more 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 often than not. I like to follow up on our conversations because you get a person like Link who's so interesting and so amazing that it it requires a deeper dive into the subject that we're talking about. And Link Daniel is the founder and creator of a of a of a protocol. Is it a protocol? Protocol called Network. Link Daniel sent me his white paper before I interviewed him, and I've read a lot of these white papers. I've never read anything like this because the first paragraph on the first page literally glitched my brain. I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read you the first paragraph on the first page of the network protocol. All right. So network is a virtual dream and decentralized brain computer protocol. And you wrote this in January 21st, 2021. Mm-hmm. A decentralized brain-computer network would allow anyone in the world to participate in exploring the frontier of the brain while creating a strong forcing function to, to accelerate the number of neurons we can currently interface with. What? I mean, the first sentence. A decentralized brain-computer network would allow anyone in the world to participate in exploring the frontier of the brain while creating a strong forcing function to accelerate the number of neurons we can currently interface with i could talk to you for an hour about that sentence but i'm going to continue a network of peer-to-peer brain computers would empower individuals to own the data that would flow between brains and computers (laughs) by creating a network of open permissionless protocols for brain computers every time i say brain computers I feel like somebody else should be saying it. Like I'm not (laughs) qualified 
to say that because my brain barely functions. All right. Anyway, so protocol of brain computers, a diverse set of all right, by creating a network of open, permissionless protocols for brain computers, a diverse set of stakeholders will will govern and guide its future. Virtual dreams as a novel medium could become an alternative reality to explore the nature of reality and accelerate progress in the mind sciences. Other brain computer applications could be developed as tools for individuals to heal and liberate themselves and others. And that's the first paragraph of a 42-page protocol white paper that you wrote. Link, what the, what did I just read? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you understand any of that, Josh? No. Yeah, no, nah, he don't understand it. it I, but, but you will, watch. And I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh said he didn't understand it. He goes, I'm smart, as opposed to the dimwit that read it. But yeah, go ahead. Um, well, there's been a lot of progress in neuroscience, right? Um, and so I guess given that this is Crypto Monday, some... You know, there's been a lot of progress in cryptography, and then uh, after many decades, um, you know, Bitcoin was created, and and then Ethereum was created, and then that created decentralized finance and NFTs and this whole world, um, basically um, as an alternative system to the existing financial system. Right. Um, and then in the same way, neuroscience has been a lot of progress um, for the last couple of decades, um, but you know it doesn't have this kind of financing and funding that uh, crypto has at the moment. Um, so um, using sort of crypto economic principles, we could build, um, you know, that frontier in the same way that we explore now, like crypto finance and all these, um, you know, financial protocols in the same way. Um, applying that towards like, you know, brain computer interfaces, which is a technology that's being developed, you know, by the U.S. government and, and other startups. Yeah. Um, now, now here's the thing, like, I guess I did a little bit of a disservice by not letting people know who you are and what your background is. I mean, you're a Harvard graduate, right? Alumni, yes. Yeah. Alumni. Yeah. Harvard graduate alumni. Right. Well, me, me too. Yeah. I mean, I, not really, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I hate, look, there, there are certain things about podcasting and, and radio stuff that I, I hate when people go, tell us a little bit about yourself. But the truth is, you got to tell us a little bit about yourself because- I want people to understand who you are and what your background is. You were born and raised in Germany. Germany. And uh, tell me first about your education and, 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 and a little bit about your life and how you wound up in America. Just take me through the steps quickly, sure. if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was born in Germany um, in a small uh, village or town um, in, the, in, the west, in the west of Germany. And um, that's where I basically grew up. And, um, you know, Europe is... A, smaller place in the United States, uh, I guess. So it's easier to travel. So I spent um, some time in other countries, like when I was young, like in Italy or France, um, but mostly Germany. And um, I did my high school there, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I think as I was telling you during the interview, the, or the conversation we did last time, um, I played a lot of video games and I was kind of like an outsider, like a nerd. Um, and, you know, played Warcraft 3 and I played Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah. And I even traded the card game. Like, you know, <laughs> right, that's how I was right. able to finance my, my journey to America. Is that right? And I was trading um, World of Warcraft cards? No, like Magic the Gathering. Oh, Magic cards. the Gathering cards. And then I actually met one of the um, most, most um, famous um, uh, 
like card play like players of Magic the Gathering, uh, John Finkel, and I met him in New York. You know, when, oh, I, yeah. when I moved here, yeah. Um, so you were very introverted. Yeah, and I I play World of Warcraft, you know, which is kind of like this game where you're like, you know, as a kid, you you think you are in the game, and it's like this whole world to explore. Um, and then basically after school, I moved to the United States, and yeah. I hadn't been here before, and like I did, barely spoke the language, and I didn't have that much money, and you know. But you were an intelligent. I mean, you're a smart. We're glossing over something. You came to America to go to school, but but before we get that to that, you know. You know, I, I, I'm a little bit older than all of you guys, but it's it's true what you say. Like you, One of the things I used to struggle with when my kids were younger with their mother was she used to hate when they used to get immersed in video games. And I would know whether it was good or bad. I, I could tell. I was like, no, he's fine. He's loving it. You have no idea how therapeutic it is. And you could see a kid get into a game. Like I, when I was younger, <laughs> it's going to sound funny, but from... You know, from the first small consoles like the Atari games where they had these horrible pixels that were little dots that they called football players to when Nintendo came out, Super Mario and Zelda. Zelda, I don't know if you guys remember all these games, but I remember being young and immersed and you lose yourself in it and it, it, there's a connection between you and the game if it's done right that you can yeah. really escape and find solace within the game, yeah. right? Especially for somebody who has a brain like yours. I think a lot of kids had these type of like that's it's an escape right those video games so you found solace in this virtual world right years ago yeah before people were talking about metaverse and yeah right? yeah um yeah and my mom allowed me to play all these games i mean at some point also she was probably you know i mean as every mom concerned about video games because you know when i grew up that's video games um had been there before but now you know like a game as immersive as World of Warcraft was kind of very like intensive and you know yeah. at times or playing people playing yeah. Warcraft three in a tournament setting like like chess basically yeah. so uh, yeah. that that was emerging I think yeah, you know you, um, people uh, moms people in general the general public don't realize how intense and how and how strategic those games are and you guys are, this is like the age of people having headphones and headsets and giving each other's orders or is, is that is that even before that. Yeah, and like I mean, you know, I guess now I can speak about it as like it was a formative experience, to, like because basically, like I really learned a lot from these games. You know, at the time it wasn't as established, so you know, if I had said like, oh, you know, I played all these video games, it wouldn't be the same as saying you know I played some sport game in in real life. Um, but I think now that you know video games continue to grow, like you know for sure, like there's a lot of skills you can learn uh, from games. Um, Sure, it is also sometimes addictive, you know, so there's all, all these downsides as well, but, like, there's a lot of, like, benefit to it as well. Um, but also your brain is firing, like, those, like, you're exercising your brain in a way that people I don't think understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, games, like, have influenced me, like, in a, in a strong way, um, yeah. you know, and um, I even did, like, in my local, like, village, like, LAN parties, you know, you would get together, like, in real life, you know, everyone would bring their computer, and we would LAN do... LAN parties, like, L-A-N? Yeah, like yeah. LAN parties, would, like, the internet connection, the LAN... Yeah, like, a local <laughs> network, and then we would play games, you know, and, like... See, for um, people that don't know what that is, this is why I know I'm a closet nerd, because yeah. I understand what that is, a LAN party is, the you know, the LAN connection, and you guys are... That's awesome. Yeah. And that, you would have, in this little village, and, and the kids Right, would, right. And, like, you know, I had never really been to America at that point, um, you know... I mean, um, so then basically, like, you know, when I finished school in Germany, Abitur is, like, basically, like, the, um, you know, when you finish uh, school there and, like, then I moved to the United States and, like, 
the US is very different than Europe in many ways. And like, having never lived oh, here, here, basically, um, yeah, yeah, it was just virtual reality in itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. That's what my, my next question was. I mean, I could get into that. I mean, the, the differences between here and Europe, I mean, culturally speaking, I'm sure there was a culture shock when you when you first got here. But as much as I want to hear about that, I'm really more interested in Link Daniel's brain because I think you're brilliant, man. I mean, just, I mean, I read the first, if, how do, for people watching, if you go to network.org, right? Well, network.foundation. Network.foundation. Slash network.pdf. That's where the, okay. um, that's where the white network. Is, yeah. Dot foundation slash network.pdf. Go there. But if, if you just go to network.foundation, there's a directory of okay. all kinds of things. Go there, download it, read it. it it's unbelievably brilliant. So I'm trying to get into the brain of, of I'm getting, I'm trying to get into the Link's brain because I, I think you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met, honestly. And so now you're an introverted guy and you found a way to escape through video games, but you were also very, very smart. Like, how do you wind up at Harvard from this small town in Germany? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that was a long journey. Well, so basically, um, so after like I played all these video games, I got into like the stock market. Um, you know, I sort of like invested and traded um, while I was already in Germany in high school. Um, How much did you start with? Um, like a hundred bucks as a kid? No, like ten thousand dollars, I think. Okay. Yeah. So okay. like, where did you get the ten grand from? From trading like a Magic the Gathering cards, you know, oh, and, nice. and, and say, <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you see what I mean? This is why you got to dig deep with like you can't just like <laughs> say things. So I said a hundred bucks because I knew it might not be a hundred bucks. So you took Magic the Gathering cards, right? And you traded them online or with kids in person. How does it work? Was it was it mostly online or was it with kids? And you made ten thousand. Well, I would also go to these tournaments and you know, and there in person there would be like local exchanges, <laughs> I guess you know, like and I played these tournaments, I you love know, it, man. and I saved a lot of money. I got you know, yeah, um, being a nerd, like you know, yeah, um, <laughs> it's yeah. not like me at seventeen, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me at 17, that's $10,000 worth of bad stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I mean, basically, um, I, um, but it's still like to be able to go to the United States, that's not really wait, enough. Right. It's not, a, well, yeah. So I, basically, like, I was able to find a school in New York. Um, yeah. Wait a minute. So you got $10,000 in high school from trading cards and you started trading the stock, stock market. Right. How? What did you do? Did you open up an E-Trade account? Yeah, I mean, so equivalent in Germany. Uh, the equivalent yeah. to yeah. an E-Trade Germany account. is not that, like, uh, you know, they don't invest as much as in the stock market, so there's not that many, uh, you know. There's not that many uh, programs. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you used to do? Were you a day trader? Were you a guy who would, like, like... I tried that for a while. I mean, like, um, I think I'm better at investing than, like, trading. Um, it's also, like, very time-intensive, you know, to, to day trade. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was essentially, like, okay, like, um, it was just to like sort of finance my venture to America. Um, yeah. Right, so, so you took the ten thousand, made enough money to come to America. I mean, that's a podcast, Josh. <laughs> just that in and of itself is a podcast. But okay, so yeah. you you're in high school, you graduate, you start thinking about college. What was the first? The so first basically, I found America. a school in New right. York City. Actually, um, it was it's, it's a small college of big dreams. That's what they were called. Um, and I was able to get a f almost full scholarship to go there. And then I was also able to study in London at the London School of Economics. And I was able to like do two degrees basically at the same time. Um, 
you were going to what school in New York was it? St. Francis College. Saint it's in Francis Brooklyn Heights. College. Yeah, I know where St. Francis small school, is. Yeah, Seventh yeah. Avenue, right? And um, and I was also studying at the same time in London, uh, basically. It's amazing, John. What were you studying? Um, like economics, philosophy, um, you know, financial history, and okay. So now you're 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 in New York and you're you're doing this. How do you do? You go back and forth from New York to London, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, while sometime I was in New York and then I, you know I was in London. Um, and so basically, I, I'll just like um, like quickly like go to where um, where we went wanted to go. But like basically, like I worked on Wall Street at the same time as well while I was like. Um, studying and um yeah then basically i worked on wall street and there's so many things to talk about like, over an amazing thing you're going to school in london you're going to school in new york and, and i was working at wall street. wall street so basically for, who, for what doing what so basically in london i fucking love him man <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you so, something he's a genius by the way two of our crypto monday people just walked in well hey what's up we don't care this is how we do things brother. yeah yeah sure you know josh yeah, good to meet you. Good to meet you, man. Mr. Abby. Good to meet you, yeah. I don't know your last name, but we don't want to, to meet you. Know, you. We, we don't have yeah. to know. You know what I mean? We got Abby and Josh coming in from Crypto Mondays. Um, part of what we're doing is like, is like, you know, it's a good idea to have more than just me in studio mm -hmm. because these are very brilliant guys in their own right. And, you know, when they feel like there's a good guest and there's a lot of things that they want to ask them, I want them to sit down with us and share the mics. And, and share the experience. Sure. We were just talking about a little bit about Link's history. He, I'll give him the quick synopsis, okay? Um, born and raised in Germany, started playing video games in high school. Part of the video, part of the, one of the video games he plays was Magic the Gathering. That community had caught, you probably, you guys probably know this, but I'm going to reiterate just for the sake of let, catching you up. He started trading cards from Magic the Gathering and made $10,000 as a kid in high school. Took the $10,000 and went to the stock market, made enough money in the stock market to fund his move to New York, mm. where he went to school at St. Francis, and at the same time he was going to school in London and working on the stock market. So I told everybody, you know, a little bit about network. I read the paragraph like I did at the first one. Mm -hmm. And now... We're at the point where Link is in college in America, <laughs> yeah. in London, and trading stocks. Am I good with that? Yeah, yeah. All right, you it's guys still the beer? beginning, it's actually. Catch yeah. up. Right. I mean, I, mean, I can briefly say, basically, after Harvard, I moved to uh, California. You know, right. I got into startups, and then from there, I got into crypto early, uh, and then I did that for, for like a long time, and, and then I moved into longevity, like studying, basically, brain-computer interfaces, and that's how I got into the uh, lucid dreaming uh, world, and like, right. you know, basically, then what I'm working on now. So I was basically, I moved to London. When I was in London, I met my professor, uh, Professor Neil Ferguson. He's actually like a world-renowned like a financial good, historian. Good friend of mine. Good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. And he's, he's amazing. And, and, you know, he was able to sort of like predict like the 2008 financial crisis. And um, he's really able to uh, explain really complex uh, matters like of economic uh, uh, importance like to the world. And, um, you know, when I was a student in London, he was uh, teaching there. He, he was from Harvard. He was a professor at Harvard. Um, okay, and um, and then I was able to work for him when he started a, sort of his uh, startup to um, advise, like you know, um, hedge funds and you know, you know oh, okay. other sort so of clients. You, 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 so you, yeah. And then from there, basically, I, I worked He's sort of like idiot. on Wall Street, you know, basically advising like hedge funds um, in different capacities. But it's basically global macro. Yeah, um, when you say advising hedge funds, what does that mean? Like what, like a hedge fund 
that's hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're coming to you. Well, no, they came to my professor, obviously. But like, you were I working was, with him. I was helping him to what, like start it. What, yeah. what, what would a question be for a hedge fund guy that says, I want to get Link's opinion on this? Well, it was more like came to my professor, and I was, you know, sort of like an analyst, right. you know. But it's still you. Um, You're still an analyst. Right. You're and dealing so, with, gig- with gigantic numbers like that. What, like, what, on a typical daily, on a, like a daily occurrence, what would happen? Like, Link, do we buy $100 million worth of this or not? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, like uh, for anyone investing any large um, amounts of money, like it's basically a decision making game. Like you make you need to make good decisions. You need to understand how the world is developing and like where the, you know, where the change is occurring. And so like, you know, Professor Ferguson is really, you know, great at like being able to like understand like the market from a historical perspective. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, any like um, successful like hedge fund manager is appreciating, obviously, like that kind of insight and like. You know, he wrote a, a biography of the Rothschild, you know, like now he's writing one on the, uh, like Henry Kissinger. So like he wrote The Ascent of Money, which is like, you know, really one of the best books on finance and might like, have financial to get, history. Might have to get Mr. Ferguson in here as well. Yeah. 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 He's a. Uh, I'll yeah. pick his brain. He's I high, know a lot he's about high demand. It, yeah. <laughs> um, and like anyway, from there, basically, um, then I moved to Harvard and like for graduate school and, um, you know, um, and then after that, basically. How was Harvard? What's it I, like in Harvard? I mean, I didn't certainly expect growing up like that I would go to Harvard. And, What's it you know, like when you do you stay in a dorm? Like, yeah, what are yeah. the people like there? Um, is it party central? Is yeah, it so animal I'm saying, house? Like, what is it's it? It's just like, like normal people, probably. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's just human beings as well. At the end of the day, like, yeah, you know, right. I mean, I think it's just the environment is really magical and, and it's great. You know, like there would be world leaders coming every day to okay. all these different schools and like. Um, yeah. Just like any great environment, that's really what it's about, you know. Yeah, I guess um, it's pretty magical. And then I guess sense. Harvard has this historical, like, you know, significance in terms of like, oh wow, it's Harvard. But like, you know, I grew up in Germany, and in Germany, people <laughs> don't go to like, you know, oh, I have to go to this really, you know, like magnificent school. Like, yeah. you just go to university, and that's it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in the United States, it's very different. Oh, it's like, like you know, yeah, it's um, like the most prestigious school you could ever dream of going to harvard yeah it's exactly. like harvard yale right that yeah you know, so um brooklyn community college yeah so <laughs> it was not it was an honor he was yeah. up there with those so right. it was an honor to be part of this community and like um just um learn there and like you know there were so many opportunities and um i even helped to start like a nonprofit there at the kennedy school and you know i would go to like the business school and like there's like there was an innovation lab there um so, so many things are happening there. And because yeah. my program was very independent, I, you know, I was able to like take classes everywhere. And like, yeah, I mean. See, that's the thing, man. You're in Harvard. What you have access to and the people that are there and the, the type of, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're talking of, world leaders coming by. Yeah, they would come um, by and they would like, like you know, food at the, like in the evenings. And like, there, there was so many events. And it's just like, there was kind of like the metaverse kind of experience already. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like the People, president of Chili's here. Or yeah, like, just like, or like the tomorrow. guy who created <laughs> Today, exactly. The guy who owns all of North America is here. Tomorrow, like, yeah. yeah. And then, right. like, it's like every day someone would be there. I, I would meet Jack Dorsey, like, you know, and, like, other people. Like, it's like that world time leaders. I met Al Pacino, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the Jan- yeah. JFK <laughs> Junior. Don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> the JFK He's Junior Forum news. hosts, like, a lot of, like, political leaders. Like, so, um, yeah, it was really, you know, amazing. Um opportunity like to be there and it's like, incredible yeah you know what it is man it's it's really nice is, to yeah. know and it's nice to see like you're very humble about it but you know like so you could tell he's not american too yeah but, <laughs> but i can tell Explains he had a lot, a lot of focus going to school yeah right and focused right and the, and the focus you had is it because you're not from here 
that you oh. know that you have to get straight to business compared to some kids that go to college and just this is a party central even though they do their schoolwork? Um, well, yeah, I mean, my my parents, you know, helped me as much as they could, but like certainly like college is very expensive, you know, and like um, I came here as an immigrant and as an immigrant, you're not even allowed to like work on campus. Like it's like crazy. Oh, like I was telling papers? you, it's like, like Hunger Games. It's like, huh? Why? Because you no, like, like you know, not a on an on an F one like student visa, you're not allowed. You cannot work. You know, mm. it's yeah, like immigration. It's really like Hunger Games. I was saying last time. You know, it's like you know, you get a visa. It's like Hunger Games. You get a visa for like a certain amount of time, and then that's it. And then you have to leave basically. And then even if you win that game, then like there's going to be another game. You know, and then yeah, like um. So I guess like. I was always in my own kinds of reality coming from like playing all these games and being in virtual reality. And then as an immigrant here, you already are like an alien, basically. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm legally classified as an alien, like basically. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, welcome to America. Yeah, man. welcome to America. Just um, call everybody aliens here. Right. No, yeah, exactly. Right, like, alien. You know, but he got, yeah. his, he got his own alien card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. alien my, card. my skin color is blue, like a, an yeah, avatar. Right. In <laughs> Giant eyes on his ID. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now you wind up in California, Silicon Valley. Yeah. So actually, so I met uh, the pre like uh, a woman uh, who Danielle, um, who um, was at the time helping to set up the Teal Foundation, um, and I had also met uh, Peter Teal at Harvard. Actually, he was actually also at Harvard. Yeah. Um, and like I was able like to be part of that network, and then because of that, I didn't even look for a job. I was like, okay, I'm just going to move to San Francisco and like uh, basically just do startups, you know. Um, very risky, obviously, because all my other people, like they, well, other friends or people at Harvard, they would just have really great jobs lined up, you know. And I would just, right. okay, let me just go there and figure this out. I love and, that though, man. Um, and what was your first startup? Um, well, at the mo at the beginning, I was just, I mean, I was working on my own like projects, but like I was helping different like so Y like combinator startups. In, uh, Actually, Proton Mail. Do you know Proton Mail? I've heard I've of it. Heard yes. of that? Yeah. 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 So Andy Yen, who started it, he was at Harvard, and I had met him at Harvard, and like. I was able to like um, you know help them uh, for a little bit. Um, yeah. They had an office in San Francisco, yep. and then there were other like Y Combinator startups. My goal was always then to do like a YC startup. But then I met one of my best friends at a spiritual conference, and he was very early in crypto. And then basically, once I understood this at a deep level, I was like, okay, I have to just like do what, this. What's a spiritual? So basically, conference? like um, it was called Wisdom 2.0. It was somewhere in San Francisco, and there was like. Um, I mean, there was Ram Das talking. He was still alive at that time, um, and like you know, yeah. What what attracts guys like you to a, to a spiritual conference? Well, I, I was also writing a book. I guess when I was at Harvard, um, and like you forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, like that book we're writing together. It's remember? Important point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember that book we're writing together, Josh. Yeah, yeah, great times. Yeah. So, what book were you writing at Harvard? Well, kind of like you know, do you know, um, like um, Marcus Aurelius wrote this book called Meditations. It was it's not even a book. It's now it's a book, but it's more like a collection of like his thoughts, thoughts and essays. You know, um, it's just this human existentialism. Yeah, and so I mean, I was, I mean, I'm like thinking a lot, I guess, and like you know, I was like sort of figuring out, okay, how can you become like a better thinker, or like, but also how can you like sort of like uh, translate your thinking into action and make it happen like that's what it's all about because it's not about just having great ideas it's about how can you actually manifest them and do them um, right because when uh, someone like you and, and just people in general like human beings it's not just someone like him it's all of us if you have these thoughts and you have these ideas and your mind's always racing but you don't put them into practice right and then futile. also just how do how do you learn i mean there's so so much like to be learned and like what what are the methods of learning and so i was 
basically just like learn. writing right, down right. like um, some of these essays and like um, collecting them into like a book. Um, did you ever do anything with the book? Yeah, you finish it. I did. Yeah, it's published. Yeah, nice. Yeah, What's yeah. the name of the book? Uh, Rule over self. Yeah, um, rule over self. I mean, there's like this. Um, this is actually from a quote from um, a public series who wrote like, "Do you want to have a great empire? Rule over yourself." You know, basically. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's kind of an. So I mean, play on that. But like, yeah, now like I guess like that I'm more spiritually like advanced. Like you know, it's this self is kind of an illusion, and like you know, you're not supposed to rule over it. But like, um, it's still like um, self is an illusion. Self, like, self. Well, let's talk about this later. Maybe. <laughs> I was yeah, like, well, you go, can't just that's say a whole other podcast. I was like, you can't just say that to me, and I'm gonna go. Okay, yeah, self is an illusion. <laughs> well, not like necessarily an illusion, but um, um <laughs> what? But like you know, the, the thing is like I think the. Yeah, it's it's very important. Like your mind is racing all the time, and like you know, like people try to control everything external, and like you know, the thing you can control is yourself. You know, right. and you um, and so like the book has all these different uh, essays about that. Basically, can we, where can we get it? Uh, it's actually I, I open sourced it. It's free, so I can send you a copy yeah, as well. Is there a link? Is there is just open source? Is there a place? It's also on Amazon. I put it for three dollars. Everyone sells books on ten dollars on Kindle. I was like, that's too expensive for a, a digital copy. Like, well, you what's know? The, we have the name of it. It's Rule Over Self. Yeah, Link, link Daniel, Daniel. That's it. Like, and, yeah, and Google yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Damn. So uh, anyway, so then I was. How many, all, how many episodes of this podcast should we do? I want to do one on the book. Yeah. One on Harvard. One on <laughs> one on spiritual Warcraft. conferences. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the, the idea that self is a concept. Well, you had mentioned. Well, I guess you had asked me because of how I went to the spiritual conference. Right. Like, um, right. 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 I guess like yeah, that, brother. Listen, now that we're not now that we're not constricted <laughs> by time. You say something that, like that to me, it might be 20 minutes of talking right, about right, that. Right, like, yeah. So be careful. Am I right or wrong? Because right? I mean, he'll but go just feel on. Free, yeah. bro, if, you, if you guys hear anything like that, just jump in because he's he says brilliant stuff. He like, does, like, yeah. like he's just throwing it away, yeah, you know? Very casually. <laughs> yeah, so, man. I guess like um, why I was interested in the spiritual conference is like because I guess, uh, you know, having bipolar um, and then also like, you know, having been depressed like since high school like you know in high school i was actually quite the outsider that's what got me into all these video games and like you know um would have been better have like more fun with girls at the time than yeah, play video games yeah. but like anyway that's what it was and like when, um, when people hear depression i don't think people really understand what depression and bipolar is like you know i'm gonna i, I tend to joke around a lot but listen man i've had a lot of issues on my own in my own life and i i relate to what you just said right it's not easy like i remember people thinking like depression is like you just sad. Taboo is like yeah, taboo, but yeah. you see, we talking about your dreams, mm -hmm. Abby. That was to me. I'm not a, a therapist, but that was depression, like manifesting itself in your dreams. And I've been there through different crazy episodes of depression. I might be right. bipolar. It might be one of my diagnoses. I don't know, but like the idea that you were struggling with it, I think that kind of shaped who you were. In, in the future yeah for sure yeah right I mean, that, like that we can talk about that later but yeah no um, no there's no later bro talk about it right now yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> if we talk about all the things you said we're going to talk about later, later we'll have a 75 yeah, yeah, hour yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. i don't right, think right, later is going to happen yeah, yeah, yeah no but i mean anyway so then then basically um just to wrap it up i guess like then i meet you know who would become one of my best friends and he was very deep into crypto very early ethereum and like what uh, year was that like like i guess like late 2015 and like wow. then 2016 and like I had heard about Bitcoin through my professor in 2013, you know, when it first shot up to like a thousand dollars and I had learned about it and studied it like a lot of people, I guess. But like it was really then through my friend and like in 20, you know, 2016, right. basically, where what? I was like really obsessed about it. And really? like, OK, I'm fucking late. You know, I need to go all in. Oh, and really? Like, at this is like so late. Like it's like, how can I be like it was 2008? Now it's 2015. I'm way too late for this, you know. Right. Um, 
what was the overall idea and the like? What was the mindset about Bitcoin in your circle back then? Like the the professor and your well, I guess yeah. I mean, I think like sort of from the perspective of economists, you know, who were not able to sort of predict the two thousand eight financial crisis, mm -hmm. um, like you know, economists generally uh, try to understand the economy uh, divided from human behavior, and they just like fix certain like um, like human you know, behavior and certain variables, and then, then they try to make predictions. And it's um, mathematical. So for my that. undergraduate thesis, I wrote, um, I met George Soros as well. Like, um, Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I met so. George the fish guy. <laughs> Different story. Yeah, so I he, met George the ice cream guy. George, George the ice cream guy. <laughs> and Uncle George. He has right. an Uncle George. So he influenced me that in, in that regard where, like, you know, he has the theory of reflexivity, and that's sort of like how financial markets work. And actually crypto is like even better sort of laboratory for reflexivity. What is the theory of re reflexivity then um according to your buddy george soros right. well i mean you know you can read about it like um like he has but just quick puts it a bit yeah i mean just basically like um is it the human element of financial ups and downs is it like this reflexive it's kind of a two-way feedback loop between thought and action right. i guess you know and like things influence each other you know and like, yeah. you know just how like um you know when when the market goes up there's all these influences that factor each other and then like lead to like prices going up more or like you know when prices are going down then mm -hmm. there's like this negative like um reflexivity right where like uh, with liquidations or other things like mm -hmm. there's certain like uh and like it's just way more um artistic i guess in that sense like then it's just like this like thing that you can calculate you know um yeah anyway i, I wrote my undergraduate thesis on his theory of reflexivity right. um and, um, As it pertains to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at the not time. Not necessarily, but like, no, no, I guess... No, not, not that that's what I was asking you. The you asking was, me, yeah. Right, so right, right. basically, Just to remind like, you, right. So then I was, you know, my professor has this really like zoomed out historical perspective of financial markets, the origin of money, and is really like the world leader of like, you know, in, uh, in terms of like financial history. That's um, the thing. Yep. And like, I guess I was able to then, like being a student, to able to understand all these different things and having studied, you know, philosophy, like financial, like philosophy, economics, like all these different things and studying like computer science on my own programming and being interested in neuroscience because of my depression and bipolar. And like, um, because of all these things, um, I was able to just like see, okay, like crypto economic thought really has like the power to like really create a new financial system. And then especially with Ethereum, um, Right. You know, now we have like basically smart contracts and we can basically build like, you know. Um, but at that time, mm -hmm. sorry, Link, I don't want to interrupt you, but at that time, even at 2015, mm -hmm. you guys saw the significance of what cryptocurrency could be. So, yeah. Did you think it so was 2016 at that time? Did you look into the white paper? Did you see what it was about? Like, did yes. you dive into it? So, like, you know, honestly, like 2013, when I learned about it, I, I was not that, you know, I was like, okay, this is cool. But like, you know. It was really 2016, you know, when, you know, my friend had like uh, basically like um, introduced me to this in this deep manner. Um, and um, and then when I started to read the white papers, you know, and I would, would sort of like also be part of these communities when I would see this in real life, you know. So obviously I'd read the white papers, but like it was really when in San Francisco I would see these people in real life, you know. Right. Like I would meet them and I would see. I mean, I would go to in Stanford. I was at a because basically while... Um, while I was in California, I, my professor moved from Harvard to Stanford. So then I was also able to do research at Stanford. It was kind of insane. Like, then, then I'm, now <laughs> I'm able to that. do a Stanford. Like, like, right. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then I was able to give a talk there, like about like crypto in, in 2017. Like, you know, but like I was like already too involved I, in crypto by then and like, you know, ICO bubble and everything. So I was like, 
okay, this is like too much is happening. So I guess I can. But anyway, there was like a conference, um, 2016, I think, or was it anyway, was January 2017, I think, um, with like all the crypto people. And like, this was like, whoa, I don't understand what's going on here. Like these people are so smart. Like this is like, this is crazy. What do you and, mean? Like, what conference was it? I mean, it's so Dan Bonet, he's like one of the cryptography professors at Stanford. Yeah. And like, you know, like I think now it's called like a center for blockchain. I don't know exactly. The, right, the, right, the, right. But not, but it was basically like that original OG, like crypto conference, yep. like at Stanford. Yep. And like it brought really basically like the best people together. And I was able to meet them in real life, you know, while like the market sort of like recovered from like its $200 low with Bitcoin, Ethereum was, you know, go from 50 cents you know to like ten dollars like yeah the and i was able at that time were insane. and i was able to see this in real life and be part of those networks you know and like my my friend who has basically like then like you know like a comp or a startup to like build like a um layer one competitor i guess like um was really deep into this you know and like he you know, created a he created his own his own protocol yeah basically like you know with, what with, is it with his whole with his co-founder uh definity Definitive. Yeah, it's now yeah. renamed Internet Computer. Yeah. Um, so like But you guys at that time, did you did you ever anticipate this type of adaption? Adoption? No, I mean I remember like right? it's, it's, at the time the farmers the you, they were like, like I'm, you know, I'm happy that you said no. Ethereum was like it uh, was would go from ten dollars to a hundred dollars and there would be now it's overvalued. Like this is way too much, you know. It's crazy. Um, There's too the many of them. It wasn't really proved out by then. Right. Like, until And it's like I mean, honestly, like um, you know, I've been like studying and learning this and being in this very long time deeply. But like at the time, at the beginning, it wasn't like this. I was like, this is like so difficult to understand. I don't understand all these things. Like it's like very difficult. Like really? all this cryptography, like I don't understand all these like zero knowledge proofs. What is this? You know, right. or, like That's all really these like the Starks and Snarks and like, yeah. you know, I mean, now I think because of NFTs, it's just way more accessible. And like, you know, there's it's NFTs, so many blockchains, so many protocols, so many things taking place within the space. The adaption is just exponentially ridiculous. Right, but like in 2016, like it might, nobody talked about exactly. this. Exactly. It was really like undercover. I don't even talk to crypto because maybe I'm going to get like censored, you know, on right. social media if I talk about it, it, you know? Illegal. Like yeah, I was I'm like, cool and I'm still coming you? from that, like living from that world. Like, you know. How, um, you, how, you, how many years ago you guys hear about it? crypto like what was the first do you remember the first time 2016 2017 what'd you hear was it bitcoin bitcoin yep and was it because it the price skyrocketed or you just heard about it it was because of the price but as i looked more into it i looked at what the tech did okay yeah because you're a a tech programmer by the way josh is um Tell us a little about yourself, Josh. Come on, man. <laughs> I didn't even introduce introduce my people when they came in. <laughs> Just real quick, I don't want to take. Away yeah, from quick, the quick. No, no, man. This is us. Yeah, I'm a friend of TJ. Um, You're I, part I, of the Crypto Mondays. I'm part of the Dow. Crypto Mondays DAO and trying to help get that off the ground and yeah, and, yeah. and help launch that. Josh is is doing the DAO for us. He's putting the to- he's tokenizing nice. the DAO for us. Him and and one of the other members of the DAO. But your ba- your background is in finance, right? It's it's in software development. Software development. Yeah. I thought you were. Oh, you're part of OpenFi. Yeah, you're part of. There's another DAO, right? So he's a part bankless of bankless DAO. Bankless DAO. So he's. So he's. Yeah. Okay. So he's. A, he's the developer. But I always look at you financially because I know you're tokenizing. So you can see where my brain's at. He's the finance guy because he's making tokens. And Abby is crypto famous. Abby. Yes. Because we got a crypto famous crew. Me, him, and Dre. We call ourselves crypto famous because we're gonna try and be crypto famous. Not try. But we don't try. <laughs> we do. We do. We do. But Abby is a man of a thousand different. Um, yeah, I wear about about twenty hats. Twenty hats. Um, yeah, man. My first introduction to crypto was, uh, I think, the Fifty Cent game. 
I don't know when that came out because you actually won cryptocurrency from his bitcoins from his video game. The 50 cent video game. I did game. not know yeah. that, but he did have a video game. Yeah. Did you know about that? No. So what was the game? What was the name of the game? I don't know because I'm I'm GT4, so <laughs> <laughs> I seen I'm it. I'm Web 2 and you're GT4. Yeah, it's okay, brother. Yeah, I, 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 right. I seen it, but I was like, no, Grand Theft Auto, this is, this is, this is it for me. Yeah, <laughs> That's man. nice, 50, but who cares? Yeah, okay. um, I didn't right. really get into crypto until um, I think it was October 7th. 2015 and the only That's reason i re specific, remember the date because i had a friend that called me and says i don't care what you do put all your money in the crypto and it <laughs> went from seven thousand to like fourteen thousand, like that next day or that next wow. two days mm. and i was trying to figure out how to get my money in That's and the then problem. i got hit the coinbase the and then coinbase took three days to transfer yeah. your money and they were mm. slow back then yeah and I, that was that was it. That's where right. I started. So, but Abby's also a chef. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's yeah. an artist. Like, yep. and this is part of our like entrepreneur. The Crypto Mondays crew. The Crypto Mondays meetup. Where Josh is a part of our DAO. Like we 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 created this decentralized autonomous organization called Crypto Mondays DAO. Mm -hmm. And as part of the podcast, somebody suggested like, even though I'm a podcast guy. Have some other people in. And I was like, yeah, man, let's have every as many people as we can get in to do this. And uh, I'm just happy you guys came, man. I'm, it's nice to see you. Yeah, I'm going to get you to drink a beer later. I, I promise <laughs> yeah. you. They got to be um, some pretty girls. Right? So I just wanted to let you know, you know who they are and what, what we're doing here. And um, so it's amazing to hear your experience. So, yeah, now, but, I mean, right. there's still so much more. That's but, right. like, Go you ahead, know, man. we don't want to have that much time. Go ahead. No, don't worry about time. I didn't. I get... know the owner. He'll he might extend us for five minutes. <laughs> so basically, then that that friend um, sort of like leaves crypto to explore longevity, which is basically how you can live, uh, you know, substantially longer and like technology to like reduce like aging. Yeah, right. I gotta cut you off for a second, but I don't care how much time we have. <laughs> Listen, man, the circles he runs in. When guys leave my circle, it's like I'm gonna go try and get a bread route because I heard if I sell bread, you can make a lot of money. The people in his circle leave to try and extend human life. Yeah. <laughs> like, where's Bob? He's working on extending, extending human life. It's gonna make you live another fifty <laughs> years. Make you look younger. You know what I mean? You're like, seventy, but you're you thirty. Right. But the what here's what's cool about it. Even the circles he's running in, mm -hmm. to hear him say the same things we I don't. That me and my friend, I don't want to compare my idiots to your <laughs> friends, because, but my friends at the same time were like, had the same like reaction to crypto. It was like, I remember watching Bitcoin go from ten dollars to two hundred, and then back to ten, and I was like, this is crazy. This is drug dealer stuff that's going on on this website. Yeah. I'm not touching it. Right. But I knew about it, you know. So it's cool to hear that you had those same experiences. But all right, so he went on and went and and went to to go work on longevity all right yeah. and then what happens next yeah that's a long story um <laughs> yeah it, it sure is longevity long. longevity <laughs> it's a long story about longevity that's only one part of it yeah all right. um all right so he but he's out of the so picture, basically though. um yeah so i mean what can i say <laughs> like i had i had my identity stolen in 2017 like a project in china what? basically i took my um um took my took my name and then they raised capital in singapore based on my work that i did uh for that foundation uh what that foundation I mentioned. well the string Lab, so the string labs so my friend had like created string labs and string labs basically created affinity foundation um 
and my based on my work there um basically like uh, they I take my identity and like it's really like such a long story I, maybe we should just skip through this but like no, it's don't worry <laughs> about it brother i know what um, i'm doing i'll tell you when we skip through so, so just give us the clip you got yeah. your i mean at back. the same time i mean I, I guess to say in general terms i had a lot of like things happened um in terms of like uh, agreements being defaulted upon and like you know people like um cheating uh and like i wasn't even sure if i could stay in the country and like um oh, so you had a tumultuous time man yeah basically like <laughs> losing everything and like um yeah did they take they took your identity they took your and then um yeah and anyway so then basically that sort of like um incentivized me to like um you hit rock bottom well it incentivized me to like sort of like like look at my depression and solve that and like go into like um you know the what, world of like you know i guess like what's related to like longevity was like brain computer interfaces so um also through my professor i had met elon musk in 2013 like mm -hmm. um who had left like a strong impression because I had stayed in touch with him throughout the years and like um and like you know obviously like when I met him he was like about to go to Mar like you know about to like like Bark already working SpaceX, on yeah. already working on SpaceX yeah. you know yeah already like you know sort of like showcasing like his uh, Model S and like uh it's just like I had him? never yeah through my professors through some right, circles through and like it's kind of like insane that I was able to meet him like um, and like then stay in touch and like, he would respond and like um, that's pretty cool and like you know in 2013 it was like you know I had also learned about Satoshi Nakamoto but like because I had met Elon Musk in real life it was just way, way more impressive sure um, and like it was just I think that carried this like sense of me like you know always like going like into this like I mean, unknown I mean, future and like risking meeting Elon Musk I mean Listen, what's it like to be in the presence of a guy like that? Is it electric or is it just like it's a dude? No is pun intended. <laughs> no yeah, pun I mean, intended. I think, well, I mean, certainly like he's... Such a boomer thing to say. That I, <laughs> I didn't even realize how stupid I just... <laughs> I thought you were going to say it. <laughs> no. I think in 2013 it was a different world, right? He wasn't, like, now he's like a like very famous, like, you know, person. Like, everyone knows him and, like, you know, he's delivered on, like, his promises, basically. Right. Um, but still, at that point he created PayPal. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> For me, like, yeah, it was like, wow. I mean, right? like a hero and, like, I was able to meet him and, like, um, you know, it certainly carried this. But then, you know, it was like either, like, okay maybe work for him or go to harvard i was like hey i'll go to harvard and like um and oh, i so you had the opportunity to work for him but you just well not the opportunity like but maybe because i was like thinking you know because i was like wow i was able to meet my professor and then like you know i was able to meet all these people go to harvard so now maybe if i can work for elon musk who knows what will happen you know right right but like you know, harvard was just like i thought like like a lifetime like opportunity yeah, you have to make your own your own i have story. to make my own right like, yeah and like I, but i stay in touch with him and like and actually in 2017 i um I encouraged him to buy Bitcoin and to get into this. And I, I told him about it, smart contracts and Ethereum. But he was like, oh, I'm too busy with, um, you know, with Tesla. And like, uh, but he did connect me. I was planning to build a crypto economic zone in Puerto Rico because of like um, the laws there, the idea. And I guess a lot of people have moved there since. I, I thought maybe you can build a crypto economic zone in, in, in the United States, like Singapore, you know, yeah. and like built that in the United States. It's a beautiful um, idea. And he connected me to the Tesla team in Puerto Rico. And at the time, you know, at the time I thought like, okay, maybe we, I can do this. But then all these other things happen and like, you know, as I said, then I was like sort of like getting into brain computer interfaces and also Elon Musk is working that as well. As well. Like, I know a, he is. What's Dude. a Neuralink? brain computer interface? So essentially like it's technology to connect brains and computers. So the mm. idea is to like, okay, how can we build an interface, uh, some type of chip 
that is invasive or non-invasive yep. through which we can then read neurons and manipulate neurons and able to interface with more neurons. So then we can basically like restore motor functions. We can heal people in certain ways. Um, and like that's technology that he's developing with Neuralink. But that, you know, I'd also met Brian Johnson, who is like another billionaire. Yeah. Um, how did I meet him? Um, I met him. Anyway, I met him. I didn't. Oh, I also I did a podcast like many years ago. I called it Pensive. It was like inspired by Harry Potter's like uh, you know Pensive. Yeah. Which is kind of like a little bit like a dream, I guess. Like you know where like you know Dumbledore takes like the the, the memory and takes a memory, and then you that. go into the memory into in a, in a virtual reality setting, uh, and that's what the name of the podcast is. And I had interviewed him then, and like he also has a startup called Kernel, and Kernel is also it's a non-invasive um, BCI, so it's basically a helmet that you wear. Um, but the whole idea and, you know, DARPA, like the organization that created the Internet is also funding a lot of like efforts into um, brain computer interfaces. But the whole idea is to like, OK, how can we uh, basically interface more neurons? Right. Because there's like, you know, 80 billion neurons like and there's more neurons even in the gut than in the brain. And like, you know, we can only interface wow. like a small fraction of them. Right. So like how can we actually interface with more neurons? So then all kinds of things are possible that we can't even imagine yet. Right. Because like. You know, after a certain age, like basically you stop growing neurons, but like there's still neuroplasticity and there's yep. still like a lot of like growth in terms of like how you connect neurons. Right. Yeah, what is neuroplasticity? for people? Well, neuroplasticity is just basically like um, you connect certain neurons in a way and then you can sort of like, you know, build certain pathways there and like uh, basically have more mental flexibility. And regenerate? And regenerate. Or? Right. But like, well, I guess it's like once a neuron is dead, it's kind of hard to revive, you know, but like... Like certain things are possible if you're able to create pathways between certain neurons, you know, and I think you can do that for like, you know, I don't think that's like a necessarily a thing that's dependent on age. So I want to because I, the way like that's also I mean, it's obviously important how many neurons you have, but also like how they're connected how to each other. Right? right. And like that's something that's like um, doable, I guess. Um, what do yeah. you, is there? A, so oh man, I have 15 thousand questions in my head. So basically, I, I mean, yeah. as I was lo lo losing everything, I was not able to be in the United States. Losing. You know? Losing well, specifically, we like you lost money, you lost your well. It's health. Kind of, it's kind of difficult to explain, like, but basically, like you know, um, you know, I had agreements that you know were not honored, and like you know, I didn't had, pan out, and like it's like kind of like shocking because I was in California you know, under U.S. soil, you know, and like U.S. law did not uphold agreements at a time when I guess okay, tokens were like a novel concept, um, but like. That basically, like, um, so what do you mean? Somebody you had tokens that you lost, like, like Ethereum. Like, what was it? Was it was it cryptocurrency that you had that you couldn't access anymore? Type of thing. Is that what? Yeah, took place? maybe let's talk about it later. But like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a long story. Let me ask you, you your de definition of later. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, uh, <laughs> when is later? Next episode? I'll leave you alone on it. Vivid dreams. Vivid dreams. But what what point, it doesn't matter. What point of the story do you really want to get to, though? Right. Like, the thing is, like, it's it's not. Like I woke up one day and it's like, okay, let me now work on dreams, you know. So yep. I guess like I'm just trying to sort of like connect, uh -huh. sort of to that part of the story, like you know, because it wasn't like, okay, now I have a hundred million dollars, like now let me see what I can do, you know. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. It was like, uh, unfortunately, like you know, for a long time, like you know, like. Yeah, it was very difficult because the thing is like, you know, I had moved to the United States after high school and like since I moved here, it was very difficult to even stay here, like to, in terms of like procuring visas and being able to be here. And like, it's like very it's difficult to even yeah, like have this kind of certainty like of like, OK, like, you know, people talk about like all kinds of like groups of people that are like disenfranchised, but like, you know, immigrants like 
have no certainty if they can even stay here. Like, you know, and like, it's like, that's a big problem in American society. Like, and that has nothing to do with skin color or gender or whatever. Like, you know, um, because people look at me now and like, oh, this guy went to Harvard. Like he, he must have it like all set, you know, but like as an immigrant, like there are certain things like, and like, well, it's just, it's just more, uh, it's just that much more admirable that you were able to do it as an immigrant. And then basically I had my identity stolen, which was also like, okay, well, that's kind of insane. And based, and based on work that I was not like compensated for, like, you know, and then tokens were like a novel concept. And like, I was able to see the Silicon Valley, how like people like the cap table is not enforced as it happens in reality, but people get fucked over. And like, yep. you know, I'm not the only one. There were other people. And like, generally it happens like all the time. And like, um, but experiencing that and I guess being naive or just, you know, I guess I thought like trusted people like, you know, and like trusting people. Uh, that's what got me actually into the chain link, you know, because like it's like how can we enforce cryptographic agreements, you know, where like actually there's a decentralized shared truth. Um, yeah. Anyway, all of this, you know, led me to like, you know, sort of like solve my depression and got me into like, you know, um, you know, psychedelic research and nice. that's kind of stuff you know which like is like also like you know potentially very helpful in like helping you to like you know attain like an alternative perspective of yourself uh, from a different vantage point um and like in retrospect like kind of like amazing how at the height you know of like the 2017 like crypto like mania basically i was like shifting into like longevity brain computer interfaces dreams and like all these <laughs> yeah. things and like despite like at the time i was like what the fuck is going on i'm like i haven't because i go by then zero like you know i was like i have no resources like what the fuck is happening like this is horrible like and like you know i didn't perceive it that way but like um that's what really then got me into like lucid dreaming because basically lucid dreaming is like a more virtual reality version of psychedelics you know because psychedelics are not technically legal everywhere and like difficult to get and like difficult to talk about you know but because all of because i was realizing like well what's important is the freedom that comes internally and like if you don't have that nothing else really matters well that's right? what i wanted to touch upon go ahead go ahead Josh. you got a question for him nope just um, please go on app thanks i've been thinking about you since the last talk um and you know dreams is a lot like the, the vivid dreams i remember when uh i don't mean to no quick, man please do that's why you're here yeah. brother uh, i remember when covid first started and i was having these very serious dreams. i couldn't sleep for the first 30 days and i'm talking about from march i think that was 2020 when really? it started i couldn't sleep at all and i was having these dreams that i was in bali i was on roller coasters people were chasing me and i didn't know where all this stuff was so maybe like the third or fourth dream i started trying to write it write some of this stuff down and I couldn't get it. But it always reminds me of the movie um, where they go into the dreams, within the dreams, within the dreams. Yeah. Inception. 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 Yeah. Yes, that's one of my right. favorites. Um, but you never left my mind since, since that, that right? day. Right, right. You know, so. I just want to rewind for a second. Then I'm going to turn it over to you guys, like as far as with the dreams and everything. Because. Yeah, if you have more questions, I mean, feel I, free I, to. I, like, I personally am interested, and I think people might be interested in. If you don't want to talk about it, fine. But I think the idea that you you fought your depression and your bipolar, I call it a diagnosis, right? Because to me, you say bipolar, it's a lot deeper than just the word, you know? How young and how often from, like, was there a point in time when you, you felt those first effects of 
of depression and 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 having and being bipolar and realize it was a fight and then it continued into your adulthood or was it in your adulthood like was it something that's been with you your whole life or was it only when in times of like extreme stress that it that it affected you yeah, I mean, I don't certainly. I don't like how people classify it as a disorder. I think it's just like, right. Certainly, like, I call it a diagnosis. It's a different way of looking at the world and right. being, being and like operating and like. Um, certainly, it's been like since I you know was born, but like that's also how I was able to lucid dream maybe very early and like. Um, it's like I, I I don't see necessarily oh like. Oh, this was a disorder. Like okay, like I, I call it, has, it, the gift it has and like the curse. It has yeah exactly. So I think like um it is always been there with me and like um, it's. It's like certainly only like, you know, after I got educated and like, you know, other people told me this is called bipolar, like, you know, that I was like, okay, I guess that's what yeah, it I is. I guess that's you know? what I have. It's right. not like, it's not like, okay, no, like, yeah, like, so the, the label is kind of like, um, it was applied later, like, you know, um, certainly like, for example, with lucid dreaming, when I like did that as a kid, I was like, okay, yeah, this is lucid dreaming, you know, and like, <laughs> this was invented in the 70s in the West and like Tibetan Buddhists have, like, it was like later that I learned about like, uh, these things first like, you experience it you know and so like certainly i mean you know everyone goes through their own experience yeah. you know i was like maybe everyone is like this you know maybe it's like Listen, that's like, just like it, what it is to be human i don't the know the same brain the same brain that can debilitate us with depression and be labeled as bipolar is the same brain that can create a 41 page white paper about lucid dreams and and brain computer interfaces. Yeah, but now it's you know important to make it happen. That's what it's about. Well, that's like, the thing. But my, my thing is, is that there are so many people struggling with different types of mental illness, and it it's almost become like this weird buzzword, like in our society now, like mental illness. But the truth of the matter is, I may be out of line, fellas, but I know that he's smart. He's smart. These are two geniuses in their own right, right. And I would imagine that knowing the type of brains that you guys have, you probably struggled with some something. I, some I can definitely say I still do struggle with. Thank it's, you. It's, an on, it's a daily challenge. It's, on, it's ongoing. It never but, stops. Right. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I didn't know what it was. It was just it'd be some days I just don't want to come outside. Right. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to talk to nobody. And I get in these little spurts, and then I realize that what I'm going through, and, and I'm going to be honest, I'm 46 years old. I probably just recognized this probably the last two years. Wow. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's just, but I deal with it a certain type of way. Um, there's sometimes I'm the happiest person in the world, and then there's sometimes it's just like, leave me the alone. Mm -hmm. I don't even, you know. But then you start realizing and identifying people and I classify people as people because people don't have a care for you or care about what you do. And then they do things to, to you and that affects you mentally, you know, and t turns you sometimes into an introvert. So, you know. Oh, there's outside influences that affect. And Cola, how about you, Josh? What do you You said it's on a daily basis. Um, yeah, but, you know, just unique challenges that I go through with things I want to accomplish and trying to balance the workload of things I'm that I'm working on and sometimes it just gets stressful because sometimes I'll find myself too much work not enough play mm -hmm. not enough reflection and that that kind of bogs me down a bit and my battles are all internal and I've I've started developing new ways to cope with them but it's it's still a struggle like really? I, I've what tried kind of, what do you do what, what how do you how do you cope? I, I, I journal a lot um most nights before bed you know that's pretty cool I, I do a lot of reflecting um I'll write things down that I'm grateful for 
Um, but even then, That's like fair. doing that, like that helps a lot. But even then, there's days where it's just like none of that works at all. Abby, you find like physical activity helps, like working out. Does it help you? It helps me a whole lot. It actually clears my thought process. It does, right? Yes, because it's because uh, it's so funny. I ride. I'm a avid bike rider, right? And I have a, a stationary bike in the house. He's on it, but I cannot ride it because it feels like a, a mouse in the in the wheel. You have to be outside. I have to be outside. I have to see the lights. I have to see the colors. I have to see the sun. Your brain has to be occupied. I have to see See the trees. Your brain has to be occupied, Abby. You can't be staring at a wall. No. Your brain has to function and process things that are happening around you. I have a a dynamic way of thinking. Right. And I always think out the box. And I guess when I was a child, that was a problem, right? Right. Because some of these teachers, they just just put books in your face and say, read. They don't understand that. Maybe I'm not a reader. Maybe I'm a more touch person. Maybe I'm a more of a mechanical person. I have a mechanical way of thinking. Right. I'm a numbers person. I like numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's interesting because we have three guys sitting here that all can relate to exactly what you're talking about. Maybe we haven't even spoken about it to each other. Right? And we've known each other very well for yeah. some time now. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. been in some real These situations and we're just like brothers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, we're like brothers and we haven't really even ever said that to each other. You see how prevalent yeah, exactly. it is? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone is governed by the loops um, that create their reality, basically. and like um, The loops the that loops. create their reality. Yeah. What's a loop, Link? Um, Deja vu. <laughs> Deja vu, yeah. Is no, it I a mean, process of thinking that keeps you in this loop? Like you... I mean, is that what it is? Is it like okay, we start at a we start at a place. We have a thought that leads to a thought that leads to a thought leads to a thought that gets us right back to where we were. We just keep in that loop. Is that what it is? Is that oversimplifying it? Well, in terms of like we wake up, um, and we don't like we assume certain things about you know waking reality, and like mm-hmm. we have all these assumptions, and we have all these mental afflictions, and we have all these narratives in our heads, um, and with that comes certain limitations and we have all these loops that are just like basically repeating themselves that then basically manifest in reality. And then we think, well, that's reality. Like, you know, um, when we created it's really it, us when, internally, when we have created those, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically. And like, I think it's like, that's why, okay, how can we break out of those? You know, how can we break those loops and then create new loops that are more like virtuous or more helpful towards where we want to go? Um, yeah. So I think like, you know that's like a huge problem in society like people don't like to talk about mental health but like i think everyone can agree that they have loops that limit them limit them in some way um, you know when people talk about mental health i think there's this weird this weird like um i don't want to say stigmatism but like this weird overriding thought about it where it's more about what you you guys are all talking about these internal like uh mechanisms that we can use to overcome it because like the human race, like we're all like, that's our thing. Like we, we got to where we are because of our brains. Mm-hmm. But that same brain, like I call it the gift and the curse. I say I call it, you know, I heard it in a Jay-Z song, but I apply it to my brain. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Jay-Z said the gift and the curse, but I, I said, oh shit, yeah. That feels like my brain. My brain is like a gift and a curse. I think we all relate to that. Right. So now. So basically, yeah. I mean, then in 2018, like, you know, I was like, well, there's been all this progress in neuroscience. You know, my friend gets gets into longevity um, and like cryptography wasn't always like this. So like, you know, how can we not maybe like, you know, bring crypto into neuroscience and sort of like 
explore the brain in this way, right? Where like, you know, people all over the world would be able to build certain brain computer applications or just like literally like have more understanding uh, of ourselves. Because I think like a huge problem in society is, okay, how can we raise our level of consciousness? So we're not going to self-destruct, right? Because like most people are driven by their ego and like, you know, greed and all these kinds of things. And like, people not really free internally and like, you know, like sort of like societally, okay, we need to figure out how we can raise our level of consciousness so we can solve things like climate change. And, but really it's sort of these self-destructive loops that we have collectively, like, you know, because we have more and more things and we're less and less happy uh, and we're feeling less and less connected to each other. Um, and so like neuroscience, you know, has made a lot of progress, like scientifically in the last few decades. But like I said, it doesn't have a lot of uh, funding, you know, um, but then really like my curiosity into lucid dreaming from psychedelics, you know, lucid dreaming is more virtual reality of psychedelics. That's really like, you know, sort of like the path I explored. I was like, well, you know, dreams strangely um, could become a new medium like film or music, you know, right. like lucid dreaming is a science and in Tibetan Buddhism, it's been there for centuries. What, like, what is it specifically? What is a lucid dream? So a, a lucid dream is a simple thing. It's just like it eludes most people. But you know, it's like when you're conscious that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. So like while you're dreaming, you realize, oh, I'm dreaming. And then while you realize that um, you have more agenda and the way um, you experience the dream changes because then all of a sudden you can experience a dream like waking reality. Because most people, when they dream, it's non-lucidly, right? So basically like they're kind of a victim to the dream, like they're just watching it. It's like they barely know what's going on. Most non-lucid dreams are negative. You barely remember them when you wake up, you know. Um, a lucid dream is different in that way where, like, you know, it's like it has a higher resolution, you know, basically. So I think the question becomes for me then, what in fact is a dream then? What is the function of a dream in the human brain to begin with? And then, right. Well, you know what I mean? Like, what is the, why do we dream, number one? And number right. two, lucid dreaming, is it more, like, what's the, What's like, what is it? What What is a dream? What is lucid dreaming? And why is lucid dreaming a key to what we're trying to do here with BCIs? And you know what I mean? Like, did you ever think about that? Like, what is a dream? Right. So, I mean, in the in the community, like how it progressed was like a lot of, long time, like even like sleep and dream researchers didn't think lucid dreaming was real. Right. Because it's kind of like to say that right. you can wake up in your dream and you can do whatever you want, more or less. And you can experience it in the same way you can experience waking reality. You know, it's kind of like Inception. Like, it just sounds insane, you know? People that study, it seems to me like the scientists that work on dreams. And because, study, like, what they does would, that, They'd be resistant to What even, does it say about the reality that we're in if we're not able to lose a dream? Like, and that's the science now. And, like, the way we perceive waking reality, we think, oh, no, everything is so real. Um and so, like, you know, we're coming from this world where, like, you know, Galileo literally, like, got the telescope from the Netherlands to, like, look out into the world. And with that, we've built, like, the scientific foundation on which, like, science rests, which is, like, you know, um, really great, right? We've been able to discover the world. like the Yeah, whole... like, that's where the scientific method right. stems from, right? Yeah, right. like, and that's, like, a lot, that's great. A lot of progress, you know, sort of, like, this materialistic, like, pursuit of, like, um, expanding the world and like discovering more and then now going to mars and like nothing wrong with that you know but like 
And it does not mean that like the basis of consciousness rests on matter. Like that's more like a philosophical, you know, conversation. It's but very, very, very existential. But certainly like lucid dream, you know, matter is not like the primary foundation of consciousness, right? And so since lucid dreaming is a science now in the West for almost 50 years, and in Tibetan Buddhism, it's been practiced for like centuries, like surely you know, Tibetan Buddhists like who have explored the mind more seriously for way longer, probably know more about this. And like someone like the Buddha who asked himself the question, like, what is suffering? And then went out to solve that, like, you know, has already provided answers to like these questions. And like most people, um, you know, have not been paying attention to this, basically. Like, so what's you know, the... Because the world, like the Western world has been so enthralled with discovering the real world the real world you know and like and and like being in this material world but so that so that basically now we're at the beginning of like starting this like you know journey that's more inward that's more like okay well maybe what if like matter is not the the primary you know like tenant of like consciousness and like um hmm. and even like without like you know determining that um like consciousness is something that we know very little like we don't really understand what consciousness is and we also don't really understand what's going on in the brain and like even to be a neuroscientist expert you barely know anything you know and so like neuroscience in what sense what do you mean like even at this point in time like we barely know we barely understand what's going on in the brain like you know like you like know we're think, sitting here right we all have about, our functions in our brains right now and i but think about like some like a psychedelic experience, just like in theory. Right? I don't know. Have you ever had? A, have you ever tried it? Well, let's talk about the experience in general. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it in general. Let's yeah, talk about so it. So, what general. would happen, like a scientific perspective? I mean, right. like it's kind of amazing um, that like you could take a psychedelic because psychedelic is something that's more relatable to people yeah. because people, you know, in certain places you could you know take this legally, I guess, you know, and then like have that experience. My or friend, my friend just came back from Mexico, right? Iowa, Iowa, Ayahuasca. Yeah, and and he, for the last five days, is telling me how he has his whole perspective on life has changed. He's clear. He has clarity. He knows who he is. He knows right. who I am. He know he's his whole his whole life changed. Right, right. So I mean, the thing is, like, it's kind of amazing that you can take. And the thing is, you can do this all yourself without any psychedelic, right? That's yeah. what a lucid dream is, right? Lucid dreaming is way better than a psychedelic. Like, but a psychedelic is something that like you can take it and like you get a forced experience. You know, you it's, get the experience without it, training. Right. Like, you just get it, and like, you know. So, during a psychedelic experience, the way you perceive the world and yourself is fundamentally different, because the, your neurons connect in a different way, creating different patterns that allow yourself to like see reality in a different way, right, which is insane. It's like, insane, but is it biological? Is it just a biological trick that your brain's playing on you because this new thing is, well, that's this because, new component is so, in introduced to your so brain? So Alan Hobson, a Harvard researcher, says the brain is a virtual reality generator. Mm. So basically like, you know, mm. everything, you know, it feels like we are these like real physical selves in this like thing here you know but like we're just generating this like virtual reality constantly but i this is real i know but in a lucid dream it's the same thing right you know it also is that feel, right it feels real while we're in them you know so, you didn't tell me all that yeah it feels real where do while, i sign up bro it feels real while i got a couple girls i want to ask out on a date in a lucid dream world <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i don't want no date though <laughs> <laughs> i know you got some other things going on 
Look, so so oh wow so we so we we kind of came full circle. Is there anything you want to touch on before I start asking you goofy questions about what about lucid dreaming and BCIs and I'm sure my boys have yeah. some some I, some, I, some. I mean, so yeah. Questions. So then I'm so then I, as I explore these things, I was like, okay, why can we not build a cryptographic medium for dreams, right? So why could dreams not become a medium like film or music, right? Because film or music, I mean. Music, I guess, existed for a long time, but film didn't exist always, you know, like someone had to invent film like and like, you know, yeah. animation. Right. And like now everyone watches videos all the time, but yep. we didn't always have that. Right. So and, where there was nothing now, there is something. And so, and that's so the same concept. it's the same thing with dreams, because the thing is, everyone dreams, even if people think they don't dream, everyone dreams. And it's something that everyone can relate to because dream it's just like this like thing that is there. It's a universal thing. So it, it will for sure be a medium in the future. And given now that we have a brain-computer interfaces, so basically we have a few billionaires and the U.S. government building the, the internet. And like especially now with the metaverse coming along, you know, like it's like there's a lot of people working on building kind of like this like 3D of the internet or like virtual reality experiences, you know? Um, it's kind of in line with what you're talking about, kind of, but what you're talking about is a much more, seems to me, deeper and personal experience. Yeah, so what I'm talking about is like, you know, I guess with the analogy, like, you know, they called now Web Web 3, right? So it's, I guess, like there was Web 2 and now there's Web 3. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess, you know, you could say the metaverse is like reality 2.0, you know, it's like a whatever... I guess it's questionable if it's improved version, but it's like some alternative version of right. reality, right? right? That feels just like reality. But what I'm talking about is more like reality zero. Like how can you sort of like return to reality to your true right. self, you know? Like, and listen, how can you like beat loops and get out of them, the, you know? The, the the metaverse feels very forced to me. Right. I don't know if it's because I'm older. It does. But it just feels like it's being forced like that upon. ayahuasca that you were talking about. It right. seems like this this technology that, it's happening so fast and at such an exponential scale that we can't stop to fathom what's really going on and how it's affecting us internally and our brain. Right, right. And I mean, I know this sounds like a concern, but I, I think it's definitely something that should be like looked at closer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, already yeah. social media is like, you know, huge like, sort of like negative externalities imposed on the world, which I guess like most people like don't care about. Uh, but I think like maybe the metaverse is different because it's more like the actual experience, but like still like I think we need to go, I was saying this last time, beyond the beyond, like we need to use the metaverse to be able to return to reality because reality is ultimately the ultimate reality. And like we just know very little about know about re actual reality. Yeah. Like we just like so sort of focus on this like metaverse journey. Everyone's on their phone already, like people are not paying attention to yeah. reality. Yeah, you know, people stuck That's in their exactly loops. Exactly what he's saying. Exactly, he's yeah. right. Yeah. You're right, right, Josh. So, right kind of what you're saying. Like, so, what's the difference between daydreaming? Well, daydreaming is usually not lucid, right? So, I guess um, the difference is, although you could have a nap and then during the nap you could have a lucid dream, but like, I guess, you know, daydreaming is also some, you know, experiment in terms of like imagining some future scenarios but like it's not lucid necessarily I so would you've think. had lucid dreams like yes yes is it something you can train your brain to do yeah so essentially it's like meditation um you know it's something you have to train yourself yeah. um and i've like, done it before too. it's like yeah. you know you have to do reality You're checks surprising the hell out of me both of you <laughs> so people say like you know you look at you look at your hands you know before you go to sleep and then you say while i'm sleeping i'm going to recognize that i'm sleeping um while i'm 
that I'm, I recognize that I'm dreaming while I look at my hands or you do certain reality checks, you know. Um, so you just ask yourself basically on a regular basis. You have to question yourself whether you're dreaming or not. Uh, and then when you, um, when you wake up in the morning, you, you write down your dreams. Mm-hmm. You need to build some bridge to the unconscious, you know, to that, to that world. Um, oh, and wow. just like meditation, it just takes time, you know. There's certain like supplements you can take, but like at the end of the day, meditation, you know, there's all these fancy things that people tell you you should do to meditate, but at the end of the day, you just have to do this on a regular basis. Really, there's supplements you, know? you can take, in other words, that can help you achieve lucid dreams? Well, there's Alzheimer's supplements that show to like increase probability of like lucid dreaming onset. So, okay. you know, you could do things like wake bed to bed where you sleep for four hours, five hours, you wake up, you know, then you take like an Alzheimer's supplement like galantamine and then you will go back to sleep and then and then you can have <laughs> he a knows lucid the dream. name. Yeah. That's why, what I love about his <laughs> Of course he would, right? Oh, the Chinese version is Huprazine A. Um, you know. <laughs> so I guess I got to do also like Alpha GPC, which like like combines that, I guess, for more. Yeah, I got a quick anyway. question. So, um, cause I I hear you reference Buddhism, right? Buddhism, yeah. Buddhism. But was it wasn't the Indians doing this in their time? Um, well, I guess like um, you know. The Buddha was under the Bodhi tree, you know, and um, uh, surely it influenced, like, you know, you know, much of Asia, you know, afterwards. So, What's like, the Bodhi India, tree? Um, well, the Bodhi tree is where, like, the Buddha uh, or, you know, um, Gautama, you know, that's what he was called, like, uh, you know, found his enlightenment, you know, and uh, become then Shakyamuni or, like, you know, the Buddha. Um, and then, because the Buddha basically, you know, is someone who left at the end of 29, he was a prince and he left his life to explore basically the origin of suffering and how he could be free from those mental afflictions. And he spent a few years um, towards that. And, you know, he practiced certain things, uh, you know, that was sort of like common at the time. And then he went down his own path and basically like, you know, found sort of like the answer uh, when he when he became enlightened. Um, and then he sort of like used that to like teach other people and, you know, build, I guess, you know, the, it's sort of a religion, I guess, but like, you know, certainly it's like answers, practical answers to, to help you to reduce your mental suffering, right? Because like we all have like suffering all the time and like we think that if we have more things or if we only had, you know, what we think we need, then all of a sudden it would go away. But it's really like this internal thing. And like surely in India is also, you know, to some extent, a spiritual place. So um, no, I wasn't saying India. I mean Indians. Like, Indians, right? Yeah. Native, yeah, Native, American, Native, Native American, Americans. Native Americans. Excuse oh, me. Native excuse me. Okay. Yeah, Native Americans. Native Americans. Yeah. Um, Americans. Are, we call Indians Indians. Right. Right. Like okay. The, I like thought you meant from like, as in yeah. like the country <laughs> India. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah. I'm talking about Native Americans because they always show you that they take the peyote and then they go into. This yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. I think like they certainly deserve more credit. You know, because like a lot of people, the white people just came and killed them. You know, it's like it's like they had like a lot of like insights about a lot of things you know and i think like um like evil like, gain if you look at the world <laughs> if you look at the world map you know africa is actually way like larger than yeah. like it's being represented on the world map you mm-hmm. know and africa has had like a, lot, a long history of like slavery and suffering like mm-hmm. you know so once they're able to break that societal loop like africans will be very innovative you know and very like right because they know the struggle like you know and like you know they've just inherently been, they've experienced yeah. it and it's been passing on from yep. generation to yep. generation yep. so if they can actually like you know escape this like 
it's going to be very powerful. Africa of, of is going to become very powerful. Right? Like, you know, because like right now it's like, oh, what's happening in Africa? But like people don't realize, like, I mean, you know, reality is being forged like as we speak, you know, and like, you know, um, so I guess like, you know, also speaking to like Native Americans, you know, like they've also like been very disenfranchised and removed from society. Like, so right. um, like you said, the peyote and like other things like, um, yeah. How do so, we go from loose? Oh, go ahead, brother. No, I, I was going to oh. ask a quick question. Sure. So is the world round or is it flat? Um, <laughs> he might have done an edible before. <laughs> he might have. I'm just saying there's a 98% chance he did an edible 12 seconds before he walked in here. Right, right, right. Because that question just hit him and he's been here for about an hour. That means the edible hit his cerebellum. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> for the lucid dreaming. It's the so. world flat around. I love my people. <laughs> I so love us. Like, we're going out to drink and eat oxtail after this. I hope you know right, that, bro. Right, right. And we're going to eat it with our physical mouth. I'm not dreaming about it, bro. I really <laughs> want to eat it, okay? Right. I don't want to dream about it. All right. I don't want to take cerebellatinium, whatever you said. <laughs> so, you take. For, for lucid dreaming, right? People's sleep schedule. You, you kind of mentioned these methods of the way people lucid dream. Like, sleep for five hours, wake up, and go back to sleep again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hear a lot of things that lucid dreaming... It may be not the best thing for your sleep schedule if you're if you're trying to get that consistent maybe five to eight hours of sleep and it, it might disrupt that and people live busy lives and you know the, the yeah yeah sure um so is there, is there more yeah yeah just like you know we're all busy people here we work on a lot of different projects and like to, to find the time to like tuck away meditate keep a journal and then like just really practice lucid dreaming like what what's a practical way like that the everyday person could just kind of start getting into this i mean yeah the problem is like people like like to know some quick fixes and answers you know yeah. like meditation again is a practice that takes time yeah um, but like people usually who say they're very busy uh usually um they just need to like sort of like um kind of like get out of the box you know and zoom out and figure out okay how can i make better decisions so i'm not so busy because what are you busy with mm-hmm. right most people are busy with things that are they even necessary to do or yep. like is this really even important should i even do this right. yeah like, so it's a personal management and so thing. i think like you know we sleep one third of our lives yet we're basically like not conscious while we're sleeping you yeah. know so it seems to me very valuable to like invest time and effort into like basically waking up in your dream you know yep. unfortunately we're at a time where the technology yet you know we don't have like you know things like that can accelerate that and i mean that's really what i'm working on right how can we get more access to the dream world right right yep. i mean if spacex is like exploring like going to other planets it's kind of like dream x you know how can you explore and the dream world what you know? is the benefit of thinking that thought like what 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 is the what's beneficial for us to do that well again i think like i mean if if we're only going to focus our attention collectively on obtaining more things, more material wealth, it's not going to help us to become free internally and like get rid right. of like mental afflictions right. and right. suffering. You, you know, that's what I wanted. And to so know. I that's think it. like it's like right. we need to build technology that can empower people to help them to break those loops. You know, to become more aware of certain like uh, ways of thinking, of certain ways of pat of patterns. You know, that they develop. And then be actually more free. And that is valuable, like, you know, in, in large and like very 
very fundamental way. Like, why absolutely. Isn't, why isn't the funding there? You, you mentioned for these BCIs, these brain computer interfaces, and just neuroscience as a mm-hmm. whole. Why, why is there a lack of funding? And, and like, what do you think is the next steps to, to close that gap and get more of this science uh, funded? Well, I think brain computer interfaces um, has a lot of funding in some ways, I guess. Like, mm. you know, um, like, I think like, in some ways, there's a lot, you know, and Facebook now dedicated like a lot of resources towards uh, the metaverse and like um, a lot of startups get a lot of funding. Um, but I think generally, yeah, I think um, it's still very early. I think not many people have been deep in crypto, have left to go into neuroscience, you know, mm. like it's just because a lot of these, you know, OGs, they're just like staying in the field and like they're successful. Like it's like it takes a story like what happened with me to even then go into something like this, you know, mm. from crypto. Um Right. Like, yeah. Like, so, but like neuroscience in general, like is seeing more and more funding over, you know, every year. So, um, generally speaking though, you know, people, yeah, I mean, people want the dopamine hits, you know, people want the, the pleasure and the stimulation, you know, and people don't want to like go internally and question themselves and be reflective yeah. and, Leave you know, do right. all the hard work. And like, it's kind of like, it's hard to sell that, you that's know? What, that's what's kind of astonishing about, like, we're talking about this now. It's kind of really cool that, like, we literally live in a world where it's just constant instantaneous gratification. Scroll, yeah. scroll, scroll. Yeah, scroll, what's dopamine, next, dopamine, you know? Dopamine, like, dopamine, yeah. dopamine, right? It's insanity. Yeah, instant gratification. So for me over. to ask him the question, what's the benefit? It's kind of silly. The benefit is obvious, we have, but... We have too many distractions. Yeah, someone will right. watch this video and say, let me check the price of Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, right like, while they're watching. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? So how do we... So now let's get to network a little bit, man. Sure. Let's get yeah. to the protocol. Right, and right. like, we got to Lucid Dreams and now he's got this protocol where he's taking... You say it. I don't even want to say it because I read the first paragraph. Now you... now. Are we there yet? Are we are you comfortable talking about it now that we, we, we came to this yeah, I mean to this point now where it's like, all right, let's talk about network. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right, talk to me, man. It's forty two pages. <laughs> yeah, so I you know, basically like uh, in the same way that Ethereum was able like to build, you know, some type of like uh, alternative financial system through which people were able to build like, you know, applications and, you know, decentralized exchanges, you know, different lending protocols. Um, you know, stable coins, all kinds of things, right? Um, nobody, or very few people, um, or even the movement in NFTs. I remember in 2017, I did an NFT and like, you know, I didn't think, okay, it would be this movement, become this movement, right? And now like NFTs, 2017 is the first time you heard of an NFT. You saw an No, NFT. no, I you created an one? NFT you like as a passport. One. I thought like maybe I can have an NFT as a passport and I give everyone who becomes, you know. Um, I had, I never heard of an NFT until like a year and a half ago. Yeah, now it's like this huge movement, you, right? Two, 2017, you guys heard of NFTs before? No, no, I have not. I didn't even hear of an NFT. I mean, Actually, just for fun, I didn't make, games. I didn't do anything. Oh, with but it, you, you know? so in other words, you, you had the. But the point oh, is, like, wow, you knew it was things, an, a non fungible, non fungible. Yeah, token? yeah, yeah. That's was, what you called it. Well, that's what it was called already. Oh, it was 20- called yeah, already. Yeah, it was already called that. Like, right, it was right. just like the the movement was not behind it. And right. So, I mean, the the point is like. Um, or even like Ethereum to Bitcoin, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, all these other things were possible, right? Or even Bitcoin itself is very revolutionary to the world, sort of like world of cryptography itself. Right. And to the world of economics and like finance. And so like, I mean, in a similar way, like, why can we not have, you know, a brain computer network, you know, that invests in like, you know, experiments and all these different like, you know, things within neuroscience where like, you know, you have all these brain computer impl- applications and 
all these different tools are being developed. Um, now, specifically, like the goal is to like, okay, if we actually have like um, neural interfaces, so if we have actually like, and that part of it is like the metaverse now, you know, it's like, how can we do these 3D experiences, right? So in the future, if you go to the Metropolitan Museum in New York, instead of looking at the painting, how can you go into the painting and have an experience that the artist, like, you know, uh, once you have. That's what you envision BCI being. Well, that's what's going to happen, right? Because the next experience is basically you go into the screen, right? And you're going to be yes. the subject of that experience. And you, it would feel, Which is a little different than what you're talking about. Yeah, be, well, because me, well, what I'm, what I'm working on is more like, okay, how can you use a metaverse or how can you use those experiences to basically break infinite loops? How can you use those experiences yeah. to return to reality? Like, you know, to find to, out what it build, is about my brain that makes yeah. me depressed so imagine, at a certain Imagine point. like an yep. iPhone with different mental health apps, you know, or certain like you know, applications that could help you actually to be free, right? Um, certainly, I think like, you know, in the last couple hundred years, we've built a lot of like, you know, applications, technologies for more things, you know, to increase our standard of living. But in terms of like our, for our mind, you know, like mental mobility, there isn't that much, you know? Right. And it's like, why not? Like, how do, you, how do you see it happening? Like logistically, like physically, what, what does it look like to you? Like, what what does this look like? What does a network look like to you in a perfect world? If you had to fast forward in 20 years and say, look, this is what I envisioned. Here's what it is. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be. What does that look like to you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. The more important question is like, how can I make this a reality today? But like, yeah, sure. In 20 years, like, you know, dreams would become a medium like film or music, right? And you could like go into a dream, right? And like for mental health, for example, you could have someone guide you to see your way of uh, thinking and pattern. And then you can face that fear. You can process that trauma. You can literally be in a virtual reality setting where you feel safe um, and you're able to like, you know, feel very immersed in that environment and literally see how your mind works. And maybe get to the root of something. And get the root of some of your problems, you know? Yeah. Maybe make an also, NFT out of a dream. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So how does AI come into play with this? How AI comes into play with this? Yeah, I guess it... In what sense? So if, if it's brain computing, right? Mm -hmm. It's reading, basically, I guess, numbers, right? And... AI is they're trying to create brains out of the AI, right? And meshing them together. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, I mean, Elon Musk talks about this, right? So, I mean, it's kind of like the symbiote. We need to, like, either, like, we kind of, like, need to merge with AI, right? Like, um, and, like, BCI is kind of, like, the technology to do that, right? Because, like, if we're able to, like, basically create a, a link between brains and computers, you know, then we can basically... Uh, accelerate um, our intelligence and then we can basically merge with AI essentially. If right? we're doing that are we accelerating and augmenting our intelligence or are we like becoming part of that AI? Like, I, Yeah I, I mean I don't know it's a hard question it's like a philosophical question I mean um, I didn't. Like, is it making us like less human? Are we are we containing? Are we retaining that human component of ours? Because I think that's when a lot of people think of AI they, they always have some um like nefarious vision of AI taking over, right. and and you, you can even argue that's happening now with a lot of these social media platforms. But that that the AI is taking over, and then that our thought is not actually us; it's what we see on screens, and it's mimetic, and it's coming from other places besides ourselves, and, and we're losing that human component. Now we're just 
looking at screens all the time. We're not meeting in person. We're not connecting like we used to. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a big problem. Yeah, that? exactly. I mean, yeah. even like we're in New York City and people barely connect in real life, you know, it's like everyone is on their phone. And now with the pandemic, everyone is kind of cautious and people don't really connect in real life, you know, um, um, as in regards to AI, like um, it's just like difficult to fathom how something that's way more intelligent would like act towards us, you know, because it's just like step function very different to like where we are, you know, and like um, it's like, I mean, again, Elon Musk talks about this um, already on multiple occasions, you know, I mean, like, you know, we still use our phone or keyboard to communicate. Like we have very like rude way of communicating, like, you know, like we read books and like how many books can you read? Like you can read, even if you read one book a day, it's like, it's a lot. Most people don't like, read a I'm book gonna a day. I'm going to tell you, that's why I love Crypto Mondays, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, it's the one thing I Talk love about, about mental it. health. Yeah, we are in real life. Meet like The idea that I have to specify that we have, that we are IRL. <laughs> like we are, <laughs> we're in real life. We yeah. meet up together and, and uh, Multi-Chain Mike was in here one uh, in the last, the last interview podcast. and and he he was saying how after the pandemic they just had this initial meetup and they had this somebody had an idea to get everybody together and from that initial meetup five companies were started including Empire Dow mm-hmm. it's so important for us to get together it's yeah, so because important to your to point talk. of like i mean what is it to be human i think to be human is to be in reality yep. and to be connecting with people um and not to be on a screen like we've kind of like collectively convince ourselves that reality is happening inside a screen and even if inside the screen is going to feel like reality ultimately reality itself is way more powerful and like i think that's where like we have to use like so like you know where i'm distinguishing myself or like where the network is distinguished from like other like you know metaverse like projects is like okay how can we bring us ourselves back to reality like you know how can we break infinite loops right and how can we actually like have freedom so like when like you know you you are on a very meaningful psychedelic trip like because people always like oh i was in a bad trip but like you know you're kind of like stuck in a way of thinking and you're like in a corner and you don't know where to go and you feel like you're really down and like then all of a sudden like there's some way you can like see a way out of it mm. and then you can build a new sense of self and a new reality that's really powerful and like from that a lot of things can be created um, so, and a lot of people like lose a lot of like things from being stuck in this way. I mean, like people talk about how many people died from the pandemic. Meanwhile, a lot of people died from depression and other things like, which is like, you know, mental health is a huge problem. And like, gigantic. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. And we don't gigantic. have as an industry, what do we have? We have like pharma industry, which sort of like attacks the symptoms but doesn't really solve the problem mental health you know sort of like therapy is useful but i mean we need something better like something that's like a psychedelic but in a safer environment that's more virtual reality and so for me that seems like a virtual dream you know and then basically other people could like advise other guide other people or even yourself you could like use that to like like I said, face fears or process things of the past, you know? It's awesome. So you're not stuck in the past, you're in the present, you know, because that's what all the mystics have been saying. Like, 
you want to be in the present yep. moment. But that's becoming harder and harder because we have all this technology constantly. Right. People are on their phone all the time. Like they're not being present. Yeah. Literally, if you if you if you go anywhere and like you're not even using your phone, you look like a weird person. <laughs> we were had a situation the other day. Phone, like, yeah. Abby, that situation we were in the other day. We he, we and, went to go to a, a basketball game. I won't okay. get specific, right? Okay. We're gonna go play basketball, right? Check this out. It was in a building. We had to go to the basement of the building and do some tricky stuff to get into the whatever. It was me, Abby, and about 10 other people. As luck would have it, everybody that I interact with is younger than me. But this, this group of kids, they were very young, right? Yeah. In their 20s. We had to wait for a door to open in a hallway for like four minutes, maybe five. It was awkward to begin with because when we got there, they didn't even know how to say Speak. hello to yes. us. These kids. <laughs> yeah. They were very, very like awkward to the point where him and I looked at each other like they couldn't even say hello. Hey, like, like it was weird. We get to this place. And do you know that every single one of those kids, when they were like, one kid said, oh, we have to wait for whoever to open the door. And he went like this, boom, to his phone. And then it was like a chain reaction. Every single kid was on his phone. Because God, for, like in that moment, everybody looked at each other like, we might have to talk. <laughs> we yeah, might have yeah. to talk. Right, Abby? You're it was so right. awkward, brother. Yeah. And him and I were like, <laughs> we left. Right. But, that's what you see these days. Everybody's on their phone. They're just yeah, un, un, I mean, disengaged that, from the world around disengaged, them. You know, I see man. people crossing the street. I'm driving through Manhattan today. People on their phone. I'm making a right turn. And no one knows that a car is coming could potentially hit them. Right? It happened to me. It was about three <laughs> yeah. years ago, I think it was. I was in an airport. We were we were going on vacation somewhere, and I had my son Tommy with me. And we had the plane was delayed, and we were tucked off into a corner of the airport. And Tommy had to go to the restroom or whatever the, whatever it was. So just the way it was, there was this little wall between us. And when we went around the corner to the of the wall, it was you know how all of the gates have waiting areas, and there's all these chairs in the gates. We happened to have a, a, a point of view of, of, of all of the gates. And it was like hundreds of people. And I, I looked up and I stopped and I was like, whoa, when you see 300 people on, on their, their phones, phones, I was, I had to go get, there was another adult, one of the fellas, one of the fathers traveling with us. I was like, come here, man. Do you see this? And he was like, oh my God. I was like, look at us. You know what's so funny? I created a shirt called Digital Slave. And on the shirt is just a person. That's brilliant, Abby. Like of course this. you did. <laughs> you brilliant, you brilliant son of a bitch. Of course I mean, you did. I mean, I, I want to wear it. And dreams are basically the ultimate, you know, escape or drug, you know. So, I mean, like, if you can imagine if you have an interface that allows you to go into a dream any, at any time, uh, experiencing anything you like. So it's a healthy so, uh, dopamine it, hit. Would you would you classify as that? Like a healthy dopamine hit yeah. that people would want to take because it's natural, it's it's internal, it's something that can be No, unlocked. no, I mean dreams in general like, you know, as like or metaverse like it's the ultimate escape, it's the ultimate yeah. like drug, you know, so like that's the it's like, that's, that's what the thing. Like what comes after that, you know, the thing, the thing is like reality, like you know, we addiction. need to return to reality. Like that's the thing, you know, because like the phone is like a, the, the one of the 
the first versions of where we're going. Like if people think we're addicted to the phone, like wait for what's coming, right. you know, yeah. for the I've actual that, neural that's interface. That's what I said. I said, that's why when people talk about like, oh, why is Facebook meta now? And why is everybody talking to the metaverse? I said, because you have a generation of people that are already trained for it. Yeah. yeah. Their like, whole damn existence is not yeah. real. That's what we experienced the other day. Dude, watching these 20 year old kids, like these kids in their twenties, like bro, it was so awkward for them because this, the area was maybe a half the size of this, and it was like because with a phone you're not even learning any but you, skills. But, but, like you know, at least if right, you're in the metaverse, like, you like, can like actually like learn. It some was skills. like the kid said to us. The sentence he said was, "He'll be here in about five minutes or something like that." Right? He, we got to wait for him to open the door. He might as well have said, "We are doomed for the rest of our lives." That's the <laughs> look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Was like we are stuck. In an eternity of hell and he just looked around like damn five minutes like it was almost apologetic it's, listen when i was growing up it would have been like oh cool where are you from right what brings you here you'd have been Who laughing invited and you? joking yeah. laughing joking okay. and me and him looked so, at each other like what the hell's going on that's so, a big problem you know, i think yeah so man the, so the so what are the di disadvantages of brain computing well i mean first of all like um we're talking about basically building a chip for your brain. So like to to do that in a secure manner is like difficult um, because like we don't really know how receptive, you know, the brain is going to be towards taking that chip. I was going to ask you what the logistics chip, you know, of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, and like, okay, is it going to be an, ideally better if it's non-invasive? But if it's non-invasive, then probably we can't interact as much as we like to. Um, so like I think that's, I mean, you know, um, yeah, that's a problem. But like, you know, if you think about it, in 2008, like if you had said people, um, well, how can you create like an alternative economy? Like, you know, you can't really mess with the real economy. Like, you know? <laughs> it would have yeah. been an impossible. It's like, concept. how can you experiment with all these things? And now all this stuff with DeFi and it's kind of like mm. separate, you know? So I hope like something like this will come along where like we can sort of experiment with the brain in a in a real way, but obviously safe. Um, because like to experiment with the real brain, it's just very difficult for multiple reasons, even policy wise to get people to adopt right. standards that will allow people to have right. chips in their brain, you know, that's going to be difficult. Is that what it looks like? Is it, is it a physical chip at this point in time? What's in the white paper? You well, said it's the, invasive so, or not invasive. So Well, so like the network is not building the neural interface. Like, you know, like I said, nor, like Elon Musk of Neuralink or, you know, other people are building that, uh, different versions of it, right? I mean, really, um, the goal is to create virtual dreams using neural interfaces because when I started doing this, I was like, I'm not going to compete with Elon Musk. Uh, so, but why right. could I, what can I build with his technology, you know? Um, oh, and so like, cool. and so like basically like, you know, we'll have to see, it's still super early, right? I mean, obviously BCI, most people don't know what it stands for. The technology is very like, you know, young. And so like, so for the real quick, the Neuralink chip, right? And you're, you're kind of building infrastructure for this technology. Um, well, the goal is really to build virtual dreams, right? To create dreams as a medium. To right. use basically a neural interface to give people more access to lucid dreaming, to give people more access towards like, you know, these kinds of like metaverse experiences and to use them in a way to get people into reality and to break infinite loops. Right. So, and with that, with this Neuralink or some type of example of it, like Elon Musk has the Neuralink, right? I see a chip. I see Yeah, Neuralink is a chip, yeah. I see that there might be a one-way feed to get data from that chip. Like, who owns the 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 IP, the data, yeah, the so, dream? Yeah, so, I mean, that's another is that thing. What, is that right. what the network yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. Is so, so, that's another thing, basically. Like, 
uh, if we're looking basically at like um, the landscape of like you know brain computer interfaces it's basically controlled by a few startups right and those startups are basically you know, c-corps in delaware <laughs> so it's like private companies right yeah um now well who owns the data it's like the company basically right and so like if we were to say tomorrow someone would come out of a product and it would give someone a way to interact you know with their brain people would be too tempted to use the technology and like they wouldn't care about the data so that's why i think it's important to build a protocol for all this yeah. you know innovation sort of you know crypto economic uh principles embedded into this kind of like future otherwise like who owns the data it should be all of us it should be just like crypto you know yeah it's it pretty should, cool your idea is that so why would I'm they sorry, sign in, why would they sign into that so why, why would a Neuralink? say like i would i mean yeah that's what i'm working on it's like yeah it's like you know how how does frodo defeat Sauron? you know it's of, like how do yeah. you how do you like um how does like the underdog defeat like you know but like it's like yeah the question is like in some ways like you know they're supporting open source to some extent but like ultimately they're a private company they're not like incentivized to share you know ips and secrets um so we back so, we back to centralization but in the brain so that's why I'm saying, like, you need to build a network where, like, we'll all own this, basically, right? So, but it's so early even to explain, because you guys understand crypto stuff, you know, but, like, to explain to people all this stuff, like, it's, it takes all these different mental right. models, you know, yeah, for people yeah, to understand, yeah. like, not only crypto, not only, like, lucid dreaming, but also, like, crypto, and then also brain-computer interfaces. And, like, if I pitch this in one minute, I think most people, like, what are you talking about? You <laughs> no, know? I can make it easy for you. Did you see Elysium? Elysium? Yeah, with uh, Matt Damon, where they had chips in their brain. No, no, I mean, I can explain this in one minute without explaining anything. But the thing is, like, in a way where, like, uh, they understand all the importance of, like... But I guess they don't need to understand the importance. Of, but I think that's... It's it's really, like, an important principle to make this... Yeah. So the data is... But, you know, imagine, like, in a, we don't want to have a future, like, where virtual dreams... We need to have guarantees, cryptographic guarantees, yes. that you own the data that comes from that. It's dream, pretty you know? cool, yeah. man. It's 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 something that is so astonishingly like earth changing, world changing. But you're at you're at the beginning of a, of something very. Listen, man, you, <laughs> unfor not fortunately, but maybe unfortunately for you, in in a lot of ways, you have a lot of work ahead of you. But it's going to be one of those things where, at the end of it. It's gonna be astonishing. I know you're gonna pull it off, man. Yeah, but that's tell. what it's about. It's really about making how it happen. We, like, so how you know, do we help like, you? What can we do to? We have to wrap it up real in like five minutes. But how? What? what mm -hmm. How do we end this? Like, what are we doing? What's the next steps? How do? How do? How do you get your cryptocurrency family behind you to help you make this work? Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately I've played too long like Satoshi Nakamoto. I've been very idealistic about how to do this. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't sell the token to investors or. Um, yeah, so I let's didn't, pump it. You know, I it's pump it. Yeah, pump I the raise, token, man. I didn't raise the. I know I didn't raise capital. So we got to get like, money. So I think like I mean the primary things are really how can I build an interface um, for the for you know for this year that could represent you know sort of virtual dreams as they exist in the future. All right. So we and need, then also we need, have we need funding. Get some cryptocurrency behind. Uh -huh. it. Yeah, I mean we I did we did, I did I did like there's a token you know I just what's the name been, of it? It's called. Well, network. Like it's just N. I thought for neurons, you know, the tokens could be neurons, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. And it's just, yeah, it's it's just pretty letter, cool. Though. It's just letter N, cool. you know. 
First, I thought NTW, but then I'm like, you can also use just one single letter, you know? N's good. I just like N, it. N, you know? N is great. And N could be for neurons, you know? Could be so network, could be neurons. So there's like, and, and, and there's like one billion N neurons. Poop. And hold up, the, the conspiracy theorist is going to say, oh, N is for the end. The end. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, <laughs> something stupid. There's they, so I many different <laughs> ways you can go but with But I can't that, speak like, about the token publicly, so I don't know. Like, it's just like the idea. Why can't you? Because you're not, because of what? Well, because of all these security laws, security, you know, security yeah. laws, like, you know, yeah. difficult. Like, uh, otherwise, like, <laughs> look at Josh smiling. Headache. They're going to tell me, like, a token no. going for Crypto Mondays, and they got all kinds of SEC Yeah, otherwise they're going to tell me I spoke about the token publicly. Which, uh, like, we can edit it out, man. Don't no, 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 it's all good. Like, yeah. it's fine. But, like, but um, I want to take you out back. Did y'all see the movie Elysium? I did not. No. It's with Matt Damien. They got computers in their chips, and they came up with an idea to find the richest people to steal their pen numbers for their credit cards. Yeah. And is they, that right? But well, you yeah, don't they, even need a pen number for a credit card. Yeah. You can just swipe it. Like yeah, but but if <laughs> I wanted knows? to get if you're a billionaire right. and I wanted to get your information, right, right. they set a Elysium, car drive. Right. To I have to head. write that in my phone and, and go check it out. Like yeah. Inception a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. like they, Inception. They put a hard drive to his head. They got the information. And then, as soon as they get my information, they're gonna put it right back in my head. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is useless. So yeah, I mean, really, it's about like, you know, it's about like um, showing to the world that I can build this and delivering like something this year that can like basically then create network effects, All you right. know, and can mm. continue to build the community and capital. Right. Basically, so here's right. what we're gonna do: we're gonna introduce them to our last two guests, multi-chain <laughs> Mike and David Gann. And that's what we do, fellas. We connect some dots. Yeah, and yeah. any final it's thoughts right at there. all? Any final thoughts? Talk to me, man. Say something in general. Uh, you hungry? Uh, no, my, my <laughs> I'm definitely hungry. <laughs> but we're in New York. We got plenty of food. Yeah. My, but, my final yeah. thoughts is um, I don't think I want nobody to read my dreams, unfortunately. You, you control your own dreams. Um, and I'm scared that there's always going to be somebody that's going to be a gatekeeper for most of the stuff because... We don't own the tech. The tech is very expensive. And they changed the world. So it's going to be, you're going to read my mind and says, oh, hey, you need these pills and these pills because this, because of course, big farmers going to come in. And we don't this, know that, though. Well, maybe the network will come They'll in. They'll try. <laughs> the network <Yeah>. will come <laughs> in. And then, that's your concern, But right? that's the thing about the space. But that's what all he's, these, that, he's yeah. saying the exact opposite, though, Abby. He's saying it's private. It's, it's yours. It's, that's why but that's the point of crypto. It's, the, crypto. it's the cryptographic you know I mean? proofs and, and right. the protocols that are supposed to do but, this. It's but you gonna you know what you're gonna you're say? Web I, you're thinking Web two, right? But now. I, I, no, I also share the same concerns. Say, I also say, do share the same concerns. You're gonna say, hold up, let me look at your Ether scan. Let me see where you was nah, at. Private, man, private. Yeah, but private. That's that Harlem stuff. I share the same concerns, like because me, I look at like an Elon Musk or like these billionaires developing this tech and. I also have concerns like how well do they know the everyday person, right? Like what what is their incentive for building the tech? Rather than I look at some like open source way of developing the tech and the, the, these are grassroots, these are people every day like um, talking to talking that's what the networks, yeah, it is. And that's yeah, what that's network, what network is, is, right? Yeah. Right. So it's is. like you have that and then you have like, you know, what you see with Facebook, Meta, like all these guys are billionaires. They don't know the average person. They don't talk to the average person every day. Good point. Like they they, they just make this tech and mostly it's it's financial motive for making it. But they say it's for improving people's lives. But do, do how often do they interact with actual yeah, people? Man, listen, to, you're to, right to, to, to do this stuff. You're making the point. And, you're making the case for network. I think right. And I, 
That's the case for network. That's yeah. It's the it's end. Open source. Yeah. It's, the, it's the open source. <laughs> it's private. It's trustless. It's it's blockchain and Lucid Dreams and BCI all in one. To create well virtual said. dreams, yeah. You want to hire me as your media director? <laughs> <laughs> to create virtual dreams, yeah. Like, where do we find you, man? On social media, Instagram? Yeah. Just link Daniel. You can find me. Just Google link Daniel. Well, just, I mean, old on Instagram man. or Just Twitter. Google link Daniel, old man, is what he basically <laughs> just said. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, thanks for coming, yeah. bro. Thank you so I much. I appreciate for you. And thanks Thank for being you. here, fellas. Yeah, Thank you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Josh Wilcox. Yeah, hold up, thanks, Josh. The greatest human being in the history of the human race. Let me plug one more thing. Oh, go ahead, man. Okay. Every Monday, 6.30 to 9.30, make sure yes. you, you tune in to, or you IRL to Crypto Monday. In real Monday. life. That <laughs> in, means real in real life. life. <laughs> Crypto Monday, we're at 601 Lexington Avenue every Monday at 6.30. Drinks, networking, and once in a while, somebody as smart as him. You yes. can find us on meetups.com. You can and find us on Instagram.com. All right. Josh, we good? Thank you for listening to the Crypto Monday Show, the official podcast of the Crypto Mondays New York City meetup go to cryptomondays.io or sign up to hang out with us in real life at meetup.com or download the meetup app and search for crypto mondays nyc crypto mondays nyc is held every single monday at 6 30 p.m at 601 lexington avenue lower level for more information about today's guest link daniel google link daniel wag me When you're down on your left